Well, good morning. It's my privilege to welcome you to Mission Sunday at Central today. In truth, every Sunday is Mission Sunday because everything that we do is focused on that mission of the transformation of our lives, our communities, and the world through the renewing work of Christ. Today, we're going to focus a little bit more uh, intentionally on our mission partners, three of them this morning. It's going to be a little bit different this morning. I'm going to set out our theme here for just a few minutes. And then we're going to hear testimonies from three mission partners from our church. And then I'll come back up and we'll have a call to action. Well, what is our theme today? The theme for our mission conference this year is revival. We're asking the Lord Jesus to breathe new spiritual life into our lives, our community here at Central and all over the world. And, but we ask the question, what does it take for that to happen? What does it take for that kind of revivals of spiritual life to really take place. Well, in the early church, we see in Acts chapter 1 that Jesus had been crucified before our sins. He forgave us to cleanse all kinds of sinners for all manner of our sin. He was raised from the dead in victory, ascended to heaven to rule, and after Jesus ascended to heaven, his disciples went back to Jerusalem. They gathered in that same upper room where they had last celebrated the last supper with Jesus, and they were unsure of what to do. How can we be the witnesses he charged us to be, they wondered. What did they end up doing? After seeing Jesus ascend to the throne over all creation and calling them to proclaim the gospel to all the world, what would they do? What should we do as we're called to that same mission? Let's pray as we turn our hearts to God's word. Lord, we ask that you would open our hearts that we would behold you, Jesus, the risen and reigning Jesus, that we would know of your power, we would know of the indwelling power of your spirit, that the gospel would go forth around the world and lives would be changed. Lord, open our eyes and open our hearts to your truth and your word. And so together we pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and redeemer. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Acts chapter 1, I'll read verse 14 for us. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. All my life, I've wanted to be a powerful motorboat for Jesus. You know, just kind of power through the problems and cut through the chop of struggle of life and, you know, just get moving for Jesus. I've, I've wanted to be that kind of person. And so I spent so many years working on principles and skills and plans and, and energy and all the rest, hoping to be a high impact leader for Christ. I don't know how successful I've been, but I do know that it is wearying to live life that way, gathering all the things to be a high-impact leader for Jesus. Over these past few years, I've been reading and praying and asking the question, what if we're doing it all wrong? What if being a a powerful motorboat for Christ is wrong-headed? I think better as we read the scriptures, the better is to desire to be a sailboat for Jesus. 
where our sail is risen and catches the wind of the power of the Holy Spirit of God to be empowered by God for his mission, by his strength. If we think about transformation and revival in our communities and all over the world, I think we're far more in tune with the God of the Bible when we're willing to raise our sails and have the Spirit of God empower us. Have the Spirit of the living God move us and change us and empower us for his mission. And if we're going to live like that, then we have to adopt a posture of prayer. We have to be a people willing to ask God to move, to plead for God to move. As we lift our sails, we ask God, would you please empower us for your gospel? I think that's a far more biblically faithful way to live. You see that pattern in the book of Acts. Every great movement in the book of Acts that you see was sparked by deep prayer by God's people. Every single one of them. We read in Acts 1 just a moment ago, the disciples gathering for prayer after Jesus promised that they would be his witnesses. And in chapter 2, verse 1, they gathered together as it had seemed they'd been doing for 10 days and they continued to pray. Lord, would you do what you've promised? You know how the story goes. They prayed and while they were gathering and praying, the Holy Spirit fell on them in power and Peter preached a sermon to all the nations and and 3,000 people were saved in that one day. One pastor summarized it like this. They prayed for 10 days. Peter preached 10 minutes and thousands of people got saved. But our pattern is so often that we plan for 10 days and pray for 10 minutes and maybe one or two people get saved, maybe sometimes. It seems like we've forgotten to hoist our sails and ask the spirit of God to move. In Acts chapter four, Peter and John were before the council and they were told to stop preaching, but they responded boldly. And the church, it says in verse 24, the church prayed and lifted their voices to God and the church grew again. Another big movement of the church. In chapter 12, the church was just about snuffed out. James had been killed. Peter had been arrested. What was the church doing? Chapter 12, verse five, the church earnestly prayed. And Peter was miraculously released. The church grew again. Chapter 13, verses 2 and 3, the church was gathered for worship and they were praying and fasting. And during that, the Holy Spirit called out Paul and Barnabas to begin a missionary journey. We know how that went. We know what God did through them. It it came through the prayers of God's people. And if we're going to have a vision for transformation of the whole world then that vision is fueled through the prayers of God's people, asking the only one who can change a heart to do his work. Organizational excellence is no substitute for radical dependence upon the living God. If we long for revival around the world, I want to call us to pray for it. Call us to ask God to do that kind of powerful movement that he's done before and he will do it again. And so this morning, we're going to hear from three of our partners about what God is doing in their ministry and how we can pray for them. And when we come back after the end, we're going to have a call to action about how we as a congregation can pray and fast for transformation all over the world and ask the Lord to do what only he can do. So I want to first invite up Mark and Joni Akers. Mark and Joni, if you'll come to the lectern and share with us what God's doing in your ministry and how we can partner together with you guys in prayer. 
Good morning, everyone. I love your church. Wow, this is awesome. Uh, I, uh, Joni and I are the founders of Oasis International, and uh, we help refugees that come to the United States. We help them with clothes and furniture and English classes, citizenship classes, baby showers. We just try to help them get started. And we, we kind of, we're letting our sails uh, fly here today because we want the church to be able to realize you can reach the mission, the mission field right here in St. Louis. Uh, we've had people say, um, oh, I've always had missions in my heart, but I'm afraid to fly. And I go, I have good news for you. God's sending the nations to us. And how, how we got started was God gave us the revelation of Revelation 5.9. And it says, Jesus, he was slain. And with his blood, he purchased men for God from every tribe, every language, every people, every nation. And so I, the revelation of that came to me like, wait a minute. Jesus gave the greatest gift he could possibly give, his blood for every tribe, every language, every people, every nation. He highly valued every person. He highly valued you, and he highly honors you with the greatest gift. And so every refugee person that comes into Oasis International we can highly value them because Jesus already purchased for them the kingdom of God. And he wants us to be a kingdom of priests, to bring people to him. And sometimes we go to a foreign country, which Joni and I have, and then sometimes he brings them right to your front door. And he's saying to us, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do? Are you going to love? Are you going to welcome? Is St. Louis going to be one of the most welcoming cities of refugee people from Ukraine and Afghanistan and Iraq and Congo? Everybody that's coming needs to be loved with the love of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Joni's got an awesome scripture, too. <laughs> yeah. I just want to say we are honored to be here today, and thank you for your support. Thank you so much. You know, it's like I feel like the scripture that says, knowing these things, then what are we to do? What, what should our response be? And the scripture that God just burns in my heart is Acts seventeen twenty six, And it says, from one man, God made all the peoples, all the nations of the world, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he was the one that marked out their boundaries. He was the one that marked out the time in history that they would be born. And God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. So when I hear this scripture, you know, I think that we have to realize 
that God, you are living at this time in history because God sees you as part of the great commission here. You know, you have to see yourself as, as part of history, of his story. You're living in a neighborhood that God has placed you there. You know, you might have thought you moved there for the swimming pool in the neighborhood or the grandkids are close by. Well, that may be a reason, but you're divinely there so that you might be a light to the people around you. So as Mark said, God has brought the nations here because he sees one church in St. Louis, his body that will reach out to them. And you know, when you are with a person that does not know the Lord, The kingdom of God has come near to them, right? The kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, and joy. You know, before I got saved, there were many years that people sowed seeds into my life, just little things, you know, lifting up the name of Jesus in a way that was so excited. I thought, whoa, uh, I mean, I, I know Jesus. You know, I was raised Catholic. I've been in church but not like them. They had a love and excitement. There was a joy. So the kingdom of God was coming near to them. And so I just want to encourage you today that uh, God has such a great purpose and what a joy to co-labor with him. And when we have baby showers for the new moms or we teach English and we share a story about how Jesus treated women and valued women, it's sowing seeds in the lives of these Muslim people. We have so many Muslims that have come to our city, and it's a great joy to speak the truth to them. So we'd love for you to be involved. It's the most exciting part of our ministry, I guess, we've ever been in, and uh, we just want to thank you. Thank you for letting us share. God bless you. Thank you, Mark and Joni. Matt Clark, if you'll come. Hello, my name is Matt Clark. I'm the director of All Nations here in St. Louis. And if what they just said is exciting to you but kind of freaks you out, that's why my ministry exists. Because we equip and train the local church in St. Louis how to engage cross-culturally. So if you're like, I want to do that but it terrifies me, we will come and walk alongside you and give you training and coaching and prayer and supplies and Bibles and whatever you need to make that happen. That's what we exist to do. I pastor a house church, so my whole church will be here today, and you won't even notice. Um, And I think we need to install one of these in in our living room, you know, because this is different than hit and play on YouTube. Um, So let me share with you a verse also that we have at the bottom of every email we send out to our team, because I think it speaks to this theme of revival, and it's Ephesians 3. Verses 20 and 21, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And I can think and I can ask for a pretty epic revival. But God is able to do far more abundantly than that. That's our God. To him be glory in the church. That's what Paul says. So what's it going to take? If he can do more than we ask or think, we can let him handle the asking or the thinking. Obviously, we need to pray. Um, But he has told us what our job is. And I would contend there are two things that we're supposed to do. And both are laid out directly by Jesus in Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 to 40. So the number one thing that we are to do is love the Lord our God with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind. This is the great and first commandment. 
And number two, Jesus said that this one is like the first one. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That is the master list. Jesus says all the law and the prophets can be summed up in those two things. So listen to me for a second, church. Do we love our neighbors as ourselves? Do we love the nations who have come to our neighborhoods like we love ourselves? We know that we should. And I'm sure that if we pull, raise your hand if you love your neighbors yourself and everybody go, yes, I do. But do we really, do we really love them like we love ourselves? Because if we did, or I should say when we do, because I believe there is a day coming where the church is going to be revived and everyone's going to love their neighbor as their self and the whole world will change when it happens. And he is able to do all you do, love your neighbor, and he can do abundantly more than all you ask or think if you just love your neighbor. I know because I've seen it, and I know Mark and Joni, so I know they've seen it, and I've spent enough time this weekend with Luke and Julie to know that they've seen it. If you just love your neighbor, God can do epic things. Thank you, Matt. And we get to hear from Luke Brower. They serve in Haiti. Uh, good morning. Um, I'm uh, Luke Brower, and my wife and uh, Moses, who some of you have perhaps never gotten a chance to meet, he's down here uh, trying to preach this morning too. Um, but we're really grateful uh, to be here this morning. It feels like it's been a long time. Um, we actually left from St. Louis in 2014 um, from uh, Central to go to Gonaive, Haiti. Um, and I want to talk just a little bit about what we do this morning. Um, Haiti is a country um, in which tens of thousands of uh, children grow up in orphanages. Um, and uh, during our first year there, one of the things that, um, that we uncovered is that um, as many as, as, as four out of five of those children actually have parents at home, a living parent. And so it became our conviction, understanding um, that children belong with their parents and in families, um, that we would work um, in any way possible to develop uh, programming that would, uh, that would keep children within their family units, right? Um, and so we developed Hope Community Project, and Hope Community Project has four goals. To protect children, to preserve families, to promote economic independence, and in all of these things, to proclaim the gospel. All right? Um, going just, for us, in many ways, it just goes back to Genesis 1, in which God created the world, and then he created Adam and Eve, and he said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. And the fruit of that union is children. And God made the first family. And he created the foundation for society and order and culture. And that's his design. 
And it's our conviction that as Christians and as the church, we should be doing everything we can when it is possible to keep children in their homes. And so for many years, this church and many people here in the States, for the price of a dinner out, have been helping with scholarships and medical programs and, um, and relief. Um, and here's what I want to tell you this morning because we're talking about prayer. All right? Um, there are people in Haiti, in Gonaive, Haiti, who not only pray for us, but they are praying for you. They are praying for Central Press because their lives, um, they're so deeply vulnerable, they know that the job that they have or the scholarship they've received, um, that it's coming, right? The funds are coming from over here. The support is coming from over here. And they know without it, um, it, it, it might be that that's keeping them together, okay? So just for example, every night when we're there, um, our nighttime security guard, right, the guy walking around with the gun, literally walks and paces and prays. And he prays for Julie and I and our family. And he prays for our staff. And he prays for all the churches that support us. And he prays for you all. Um, briefly, I want to talk about how you guys can pray for us and for them. Um, you watch the news, there's a lot going on in the world. Um, and in that, a lot going on in the world, Haiti tends to get lost. Um, but Haiti is a country that currently functions um, without a government. And when I say without a government, I mean literally, there are no elected officials in the nation. And in, the, in that chaos, um, street gangs and political gangs have taken over. Um, and so in the capital, up to 80% of that territory and possibly up to almost half of, of Haiti's land is now under the control of literally street thugs and gangs. Um, and so in that place, violence, displacement of up to 200,000 people, um, inflation through the roof in, in a country of great suffering there, um, economically, we now have tremendous violence. That violence is knocking on our door in Gonaive. They're about four kilometers away um, from our headquarters. So right now, Julie and I are still able to go back and forth. Um, but we just ask for your prayers. Um, the UN has set a resolution to send people in. They agreed to do it this week. And we just pray for peace, that the Lord would work, that the Lord would bring priests to this nation um, that is suffering. Um, that we would continue to be able to do our work, um, that we would continue to be able to have the safety to go in and out. Um, and uh, I could go on, there's a long list of prayers, but I just, you guys have prayed for us and we ask that you would continue to do so, and we thank you. Thank you all for being here uh, this morning. We want to see God move powerfully, don't we? 
in our families, in our homes, in our city, in the world. And so what I'm doing is I'm wanting to call each one of us to focus prayer for revival, prayer for God's work through these ministries and through many others like them, through our church. Are are you willing to join in praying for God to do what only he's able to do, and that is immeasurably more than all we could ever ask or imagine? You'll have an opportunity to do that in Sunday school today. So you're going to go to your Sunday school classes and meet together with your class, and then at 1015, you'll be dismissed, and you can go to different prayer stations in the first floor of the church. There are posters there, and you can talk to people about how to pray for the ministry in this particular part of the world. You can right there ask the Lord to intervene and help and pray. And beyond today, I'd like to call our church to a two-week intensive season of prayer for revival and mission, for transformation in our lives and our communities in the whole world. I want to encourage you to commit for the next two weeks, the next 14 days, to make revival and the spiritual life of the world a significant part of your own personal prayer. I've been reading Isaiah 62, and it's a a passage that I pray through quite often. It comes after the servant songs, the prophecies of Jesus who would come and take our shame and our guilt and our transgression all upon himself as he gave his life on the cross, cursed in our place. And we get to chapter 62, where why he's doing it comes clear. He says that he's giving his life to make his people beautiful and righteous. People like us, people who move to our city, people who have needs, people Jesus sees and he died to make them beautiful and righteous. And he's promised that he will save people from every tribe and tongue and people and nation and it shall be his delight, it says in Isaiah 62. It's a stunning image of what Jesus is doing for the lives of people who've been so stained by our sin who can't love him on our own, but need him to make us alive that we might follow him and love him. It's a beautiful picture. And then in verses six and seven of Isaiah 62, he says this, he calls us to action. You who put the Lord in remembrance, or otherwise you who seek the Lord, take no rest and give him no rest. That is give the Lord no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes it a a praise in all the earth. He's telling us is we should take no rest, but persist in calling out to the Lord, persist in prayer that the Lord would keep his promise to save a people from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. He tells us, you take no rest. And then he says, give him no rest. God is commanding us to wear him out with asking for the nations to bow their knees to Jesus. That's God's command. It's what God calls us at Central to do today. So as a church that deeply cares about mission, what an invitation from the Lord that we would wear him out in prayer, that we would give Jesus no rest until all the nations proclaim Christ as Lord. That's what I want us to do. What I want to ask us to do to commit the next two weeks to prayer and fasting for the nations, prayer and fasting for your neighbors, prayer and fasting for your families, to know Jesus in a new and deeper way. How are you gonna do it? Well, we've all received one of these green prayer guides when you came in this morning. 
And there's lots of information about how you can pray for our missionaries. On pages 18 to 24, there's great resources on how do you fast. What does it mean to, 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 to take up that biblical discipline of denying some longing that you feel in order to commit those feelings into pleading with the Lord to do something significant? That's what fasting is. There's guides on how to do it. There's a guide on prayer times that you can sign up. There's a sign-up genius. You could, we can have our prayer of our congregation around the clock for God to do a mighty work. It was so encouraging to me how you all committed to pray for Missy and me when we were in Mayo. This is an extension of that, that our congregation would be praying, committed to pray for revival, for life, for our church, for our city, and for the whole world. I want to call you to it, and I'm excited about it, and I want to ask you, will you join with me and let's wear the Lord out and see what he does. Let's see what he does, reviving us and the nations. Let's pray. Lord, we commit this time to you. We've heard from your servants here in St. Louis serving refugees. We've heard from your servants serving image bearers of God in Haiti. And we ask, Lord, that you would pour out your spirit upon us as a congregation, that we would know better how to love our neighbors, that we would not be silent, but step out to love our neighbors and point them to Christ in the ways that we care for them, in the ways we speak to them. We pray that you would empower the missionaries that this church supports, the 90 missionaries serving all around the world, but would you do through them more than we could ever ask or imagine that the nations would bow the knees to Christ, that you would make your people beautiful and righteous. Lord, hear our prayers, hear our cries that Jesus be exalted. In his name we ask it. Amen.